Did you know that 30% of adults in the United States suffer from a life-stunting disorder called trichotillomania? Trichotillomania is a hair pulling disorder that causes noticeable hair loss in the scalp, brows, and lashes. My name is Kirby and I am the founder of a nonprofit organization called The Church to Stop. The Church to Stop is devoted in providing church sufferers with wigs, weaves, hair extensions, microblading for the brows along with false lashes, and efforts to help prevent from pulling along with rebuilding confidence. Because there's no cure, trichotillomania is only manageable. Because I myself have been managing trichotillomania for 26 years. Originally, I created this program for myself, but now it's for others just like me. And you can support this organization by going to app.voodle.com and look up the Trich to Stop. That's T-R-I-C-H to Stop. Right now, currently, if you go to that website, you can cast your vote to help this organization receive a $10,000 grant to help those with this horrible hair disorder. All you have to do is go to the link that will be provided in the description box of this podcast, and it will also be available on the Boochcast Facebook page at facebook.com slash theboochcast. Once you click on the link, click on the heart icon to like the video, and then it will ask you to sign up. It is totally free to sign up. All you have to do is type in your name and a credible email address. And once you've done that, you have successfully voted for the Trich to Stop organization and give them a chance to win a $10,000 grant. Kirby is a personal friend of mine that I used to work with over at the Home Depot. I have recently casted my vote and I am asking the Boochcast fans and listeners to do the same. Go to app.voodle.com. The link is in the description box here on the podcast. And if you can't click on it, go to the Boochcast Facebook page and there will be a clickable link for you to go and cast your votes. And now, on with the show. I've tried, 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 and I've tried to Has just blown, been hunting. 
away My fucks are now so fucked up They refuse to fucking stay I've no more fucks to give My fucks have gone insane They've come back around to pass me While they're fucking off again I've no more fucks to give My fucks have all dissolved I've planned many projects But my fucks won't be involved I've no more What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And ladies and gentlemen, usually I'm not the one who starts this segment off, and usually I'm not this enthusiastic when we get to this uh, part of the show. But I have to make an announcement here before we kick off what's going to be a long night. Uh, we got a situation here. Uh, as you guys know, the AEW correspondent is, of course, uh, the one and only Mr. Elvis Delinsky. Uh, thank you. For reasons we are not going to divulge here on the show, Elvis needs to take a break from the show for a little while. Now, Elvis is not permanently leaving. At least I hope not. But he just needs a little bit of a break, so I'm giving it to him. So while he is taking a break, uh, the man who I introduced uh, yesterday as the NXT correspondent... Is is now going to be a substitute for AEW. So basically, he will be joining me for the AEW recaps until Elvis returns. And then once Elvis returns, he will go back to just doing NXT. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man who's about to join me today. He's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Yep. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome yep. the one and only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude? Do that. Yes, it's me, the broke soulless ginger, Zach Scott. Generally speaking, I'm not brokey. Broke. <laughs> yeah, <It's>... you're <laughs> fucked up your own catchphrase. Congratulations. So anyway, ladies it's and gentlemen. It's been a long day. Fuck you. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me, all right? I guarantee you, you don't have to tell me. And well, it's about to get... Even... You've been telling me for the last couple of weeks. You've been, I've been like, good God almighty. Yes, I've been to hell and back many times. Someday we might do a variety show together, and I'll explain a portion of it. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a long show ahead of us um, because because as much as I love Elvis Zelinsky, and y'all know I do, uh, he kind of was dragging his feet a little bit. Um, Not a lot, a little bit. He had been uh, behaving himself, you know, and getting things on the up and up, but had to take the sabbatical. So we've got two AEW episodes we're going to be doing on this edition of the Boochcast, and hopefully we can get through everything in a timely manner it won't take insanely long. But we're going to start off with the AEW from February the 23rd, 2022. This is last week's AEW. And we kick things off. We have, of course, on commentary, uh, the legendary Tony Schiavone, the Hall of Famer Jim Ross, and the racist Excalibur. So we kick things Excalibur. off with the first official match of the evening. We had ourselves a tag team battle royal. Now, for those of you, now there's a lot of people that are in this battle royal, and a lot of wrestlers that were in it multiple times. So to yeah, clarify, too for, many. yeah, 
this, but to clarify for the listeners out there, this is the one that was won by Red Dragon. So, Zach, if you have any memory of this, feel free to share your thoughts on um, Red Dragon winning this uh, battle royal. Of course, Red Dragon being Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, I know that. Who was else in it? Um, the Young Bucks were in it. Uh, the Dark Order, FTR, Santana and Ortiz, The Best Friends, 2.0, Private Party, The Butcher and the Blade, and The Gun Club. Um, half these tag teams I don't know about. The yump, the dumb fucks are in there. I don't know much of this. I'm sorry, folks, but was it a good match? Fuck. No, it was a battle royal. Of course it wasn't a good match. It was clusterfuck. Everybody's all over the place. Uh, there was a little bit of excitement towards the end. There was like one Because ma- what I liked about these battle royals, even though I'm not a big fan of battle royals in general, because yeah, I just I. used to do spots. It's, there's too many of them. Yeah. The thing is, is that what I like about these tag team battle royals is they do it better than WWE. Because what they do in WWE is um, you, if one guy gets thrown out of the ring, both members of that team are eliminated. I always thought that was a crock of shit. I, I like what they do in AEW in the sense that they if one guy gets eliminated, the other guy can stay in the match and still win for their team. And that's what I think it should be. And so we get through all the craziness and then in the end, it's down to the Dark Order and the Young Bucks and Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it looks like the Young Bucks and Red Dragon are going to work together, but then Kyle O'Reilly throws out one of the dumb fucks and in the end, Red Dragon wins the Battle Royal and gets the spot in the triple threat tag team title match, which is going to be, of course, against Jurassic Express, which is uh, Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus. Um, and they, uh, Adam Cole want to buy a super kick to Orange Cassidy that go at Baker Kiss in the ring. I'm looking up the results on AEW, so thankfully for that, now I'm vaguely remembering this. I'm sorry, Vinny. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't expect we had to do this. This yeah. was a surprise to me. Yeah, everything's a surprise. I, I, I'm looking up the results now, and and the usually one of the Washington and Boochcast fans, you know me, who I am, I'm usually in a alcohol, marijuana state, but I am not really currently in that right now. But hands around, this was crap. There was too much of a spot fest. So, moving on. Yeah. Let's just say um, I was glad Red Dragon got the win. Yeah, I'll have to say that. I'm ready with that as well. So after the match, uh, Hangman Page comes out to attack, um, you know, Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. Uh, The the Young Bucks stand by but do not get involved because they're mad that Kyle O'Reilly turned on uh, one of the Jacksons. Um, Out comes Adam Cole Pussy to attack Hangman. And it ultimately ends with Page hitting a buckshot lariat on Kenny, on Kyle O'Reilly. So, perfect. Next, Hangman cuts a promo on Cole, calls it Story Time with Adam Page, baby. And he tells the story about Adam Cole, uh, basically without mentioning NXT, talking about how great he was in NXT and being this multiple world champion in ROH and everything else. And Adam Cole is, you know, at first kind of, you know, taking in the accolades until Adam Page is talking about how Cole's now all by himself and realized he had to come to AEW because he couldn't stand alone. And then says that um, you know people have been calling Adam Page the other Adam, but Adam but Adam Page says he's now the better Adam. And yeah. I'm gonna say this right now: Uh-oh. I loved this promo by Adam Page. Yeah. Yeah. But here's what I want to say: what? If I was Hangman Adam Page, the yes. second I got to the locker room, mm-hmm. I would slap the shit out of Bobby Fish. Hmm. Slap him for a shoot. And I'm going to tell you why. Because throughout Adam Page cutting this entire promo, Bobby Fish would not shut up. 
at all. Just kept flapping his fucking cock holster every 10 seconds like someone I know. So he just would not shut the hell up. Like, now Adam Cole, he has every right to talk. Like we saying, like, you know, he was a champion over here at Dominic. He goes, damn right. You're damn right I was. He And then all of a sudden, once Adam Page started atta- attacking Cole's insecurities, he kept his mouth shut like you're supposed to. I don't want to hear Bobby Fish talking. He's not even involved in the fucking rivalry. If I was Adam Page, I would have stopped the middle of my promo, looked at Bobby Fish and said, shut the fuck up. I'd have done it. I would have. I would verbally shoot on Bobby Fitz. I would have slapped him if I was in the locker room and be like, um, "Look, motherfucker, when the mic's in my hand, your mouth goes shut." You stupid. Jeez, fuck. I wonder where that comes from. Stupid fuck. I pissed me off. Okay, there was no reason for it, and if anything, it buries the fucking promo. Because again, Bobby Fitz not even involved in the fucking match on Sunday. So shut your whore mouth. <laughs> fuck um, that. That. But now, again, yeah. the. <laughs> promo by Hangman was fire, but Bobby Fish pissed me the fuck off with that what one. What doesn't piss you the fuck off? Yeah. Now, we then cut to Tony Schiavone with Brian Danielson. He is looking forward to facing Daniel Garcia, but questions his pairing with 2.0. He also says he'll have an answer for John Moxley tonight. So, overall, uh, I thought Brian Danielson did great with the interview. Um, Very, very good. I like the fact he's giving John Moxley the answer that he wants because we all know uh, Moxley's basically saying that he can't can't team up with somebody unless he bleeds with them first. So he's basically telling Danielson, we got to fight before we can team up. And I'm telling you right now, I'm dead, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and dudes, and Mr. Vinny Bucci, Chrome Dome. That right there is going to be off the fucking chain. Yeah. And on that... Yes, and on that note, we cut to the we cut to the ring now. Out comes MJF, who looks mm-hmm. shook up. As we all know, last week MJF was at a loss for words. The week before, um, True. after Punk basically declared that he would um fa- he wanted to face MJF at Revolution in a dog collar match, and talked showed the autograph picture that MJF had with Punk and told him that it was the most important day of his life. But for him, it was just another Friday. So, what? That was, I remember saying that and that made me chuckle. Okay. So, (laughs) next, MJF comes out to the ring and he says, when he met Punk, he was a young he was a young kid. He had a lot of learning disabilities and tried and tries pleading his sympathy to the audience about you know being riddled with learning disabilities. Um, he talks about being 11 years old when he was bullied and that he was one of the one of two Jewish kids who tried out for the football team. He made the team. He was great at football. And then he said his teammates. He saw them walking down the hall one day and he was excited to see them because he thought he had finally made friends. They came at him with a roll of quarters. And they chucked the quarters at him and said, pick it up, Jew boy, pick him up. And then he goes home, he starts crying, but he knew that in a few days he was going to meet CM Punk. And he wanted to pattern himself after Punk. And then he said, you know, he got that autograph and it was a great moment for him. And in 2013, he got recruited for football, but all he wanted to do was become a pro wrestler. You know, he's watching tape till his eyes bleed. He's practicing promos in the mirror until his voice was hoarse and he could no longer talk. Then he said in January 2014, Punk left him. He left all of us. 
and therefore Max went to college and gave up on his dreams, but then talks about seeing a photo of CM Punk shaking hands with Brian Danielson. He packed his bags, left college that day, and made a promise that he was going to be the best in spite of CM Punk. He calls Punk a gutless coward, and he says at Revolution, he will not quit, no matter how badly he beats him with the chain, because if he quits, he's no better than Punk. Because he is better than Punk, and he knows it. Then, out comes CM Punk, he gets in the ring, and he's got this look on his face of shock, and he goes, is this true? Is it real? MJF looks at him, mouths the words, it's true, and then leaves the ring. This right here was fantastic. I think he actually meant it. I think Maxwell actually meant it from the bottom of his heart. Excuse me. What do you think, Benny? I think this was probably one of the best promos in AEW. I think MJF found a way to get sympathy from a crowd. And at first, I thought this was a phenomenal babyface promo. But after analyzing it further and getting a few second opinions, I've come to realize that this is still considered a heel promo. The difference is, is that it's the or it's like an origin story for a heel. It's kind of like the best way to put it into words is, do you ever see the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix? Of course I have. Okay, I don't know. I'm asking. You know how like throughout most of the movie you see Arthur Fleck getting fucked with by everybody and just all this horrible shit happening to him and then eventually he metamorphosizes into the Joker? Yeah. That's kind of what happened to MJF. This was that movie. It, we were watching Arthur Fleck get bullied and treated like trash until he finally became MJF or Joker and now he's going after everybody and he's showing why he hates CM Punk it's like you know that was all I had was that was that day and you left and it and how angry he was that CM Punk left and the thing is every wrestling fan was mad that he left People still, for seven years, people were chanting his name, hoping he would come back. And for seven years, he didn't. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't give a sh. And, you know, it was like he was pretty much done with wrestling. But now eventually is back. So to have that story in there, to build this up is great. And, th- and here's the thing. This promo did something that nothing else in AEW ever did for me. What's that? It made me want to tune in the following week. And that's the key thing. I, tune- I wanted to tune in to next week's AEW, which we're going to get to soon because I wanted to see how this was going to end. That was my whole reason for watching. We're not going to talk about it now. We'll get to it later. But that was my whole reason for watching Dynamite. I didn't give a single fuck about anything else on this show other than how Punk was going to respond to this because it was great. It was phenomenal. And I'm sure some of these things might be true, but it was, this is the closest people would ever get to feeling sorry for MJF. He humanized himself for a moment to get people to understand, okay, we may not agree with his actions, but we understand why he is the way he is. I thought that was brilliant. Very true, sir. I thought it was absolutely brilliant because I actually did feel sorry for the guy. Absolutely. I did, and I never feel sorry for MGF. Don't get me wrong there, folks. I love MGF because here's the reason why. He's one of those heels there, folks, their children, because you get Ricky Ross here, that he makes you want to get into the ring, take a chair, take a table, take anything, just make him do one thing, shut the fuck up. 
Yeah. That's why he's so good at being one thing. Is he the heel of AEW? To me, he is. He's the best heel in wrestling right now. Hands down. And then next, uh, 2.0 gets fired up that Danielson insulted them, and Garcia is basically saying that he's ready for this match with Brian Danielson. And um, uh, I'll be honest. I thought this interview was dumb. It was pointless. I figured you probably would. It was dumb. I mean, I'm sorry. 2.0 is not interesting. They sucked in NXT, and they suck now. And Garcia, I, I have no reason to care about this guy. None. No, there's nothing remotely special about this guy. This is just this is just somebody for Brian Danielson to beat the shit out of to build for the match with Moxley. He's not anything special, and at the rate he's going, he ain't going to be nothing special. So until he shows me something special, I don't give a fuck. And on that note, Have you ever about that guy? No, because I don't know who he is, nor do I give a fuck. Why should I care? Why? Is he in wrestle? Who can't? Oh, what to do? What move has he done in the ring that I haven't already seen? 50 other guys do, okay? That's why wrestlers have a hard time drawing money today. They're all the same. Every match is exactly the same. That's why you're supposed to have a gimmick and why you're supposed to use, say it with me, children, psychology. Psychology. That's what makes you different from the pack. And speaking of pack, that brings us to the next match of the evening. We got us some tag team action here. House of Black versus Pac and Penta. Oscuro. This was fucking awesome. This was good. I enjoyed the hell out of this. I never seen Penta go to the Dark Origin before because I didn't watch. Uh, what's that show you guys watch on Netflix? Lucha Sorry. Underground. I never watched that, but I did watch it. This was fucking great. There was psychology in it. It was physical. It was mean. It was nasty. What I liked was uh, when um, who stopped Alistair from using his spray mist? Was it Pentagon? Yes. Or was it a uh, Pac? Penta. Penta and and um, had uh, Alistair. Uh, he sold very well with pretending he was choking on on the stuff, but otherwise, and that that ended fucking perfectly. It it, it, it did good, and and then there, folks. Dun, 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 dun. Somebody shows up that Vinny doesn't like. Vinny, this is your show. It is the abuse cast. You can take this part. Okay. First of all, before I get into that, let me say this. Called it. I fucking called it. What Penta's going through? A me- he's going through a change. What does he become? Penta Oscuro. For those who don't know, Oscuro means dark. This is Pentagon Dark. So if you remember Lucha Underground, you remember Pentagon Dark, and Pentagon Dark was the ultimate Cerro Miedo. Like, Pentagon Jr., the original Penta, had no fear, but uh, he had a tiny bit. Pentagon Dark is all the way no fucks given. It was a great gimmick, amazing, and it was... Penta was must-see in Lucha Underground. Not so much here in AEW, but that was amazing. And the match was great. You know, Black comes in to miss Penta, but Penta forces him to swallow it. Rolls him up for the one, two, three. Pac and Penta win. Everything's great. This tag match was awesome. And then we got to the bullshit. The House of Black take out Pac. Black grabs the shovel Penta brought to the ring. Goes to Penta out. The lights go out. They come back on, and there's Buddy something. Uh, Black is shocked, but Buddy something actually attacks Pac. Black soon lays a chair down, and Buddy something is prompted to stomp Penta's face on the steel. The lights go out, and the House of Black vanish. Now, ladies and gentlemen, some people like Buddy Matthews. I'm going to be honest. I don't give a fuck because he's a jobber. If anything, the fact that people popped when Buddy Matthews showed up is living proof 
that WWE is still the superior company. And I'm going to tell you why I say only that. You, only you, only you out of everybody, out of everybody, okay? No, 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 no. Let me talk. I like Buddy Murphy. He's not a fucking jobber. He's a good fucking worker. He puts people over where he needs to be. As far as I am concerned, Vinny Bucci, A.K. Crumb Dumb, you stubborn fuck when it comes to him. He... He's good. WWE screwed him over. All right. Oh, Not they did. Clock. Okay. They did. They screwed him over. Now. Really? How? Tell me okay, how. He could become NXT champion. He could have gone to the main roster, become Intercontinental in the United States, maybe a tag team. He was bitter. He was a high five, but he used it right. He sure as hell wants to know fucking spot monkey. He was a fucking jobber, and I'm going to tell you why he was a fucking jobber. Because he did nothing credible except win a Cruiserweight title. He was barely a tag team wrestler in NXT. And the only thing he got to a storyline was being a lackey to the Monday Night Messiah and then doing some bullshit relationship with Rey Mysterio's daughter and trying to get accepted into the Mysterio family. And none of it looked good. None of it looked believable. And if anything, because of the age difference between Buddy and Rey Mysterio's daughter, it was fucking creepy. Everybody on the internet said it was fucking creepy. Now everybody wants to pretend this guy's a fucking somebody? Here's why I say this makes WWE look like a superior company. Because that means in WWE, even if you're on the bottom of the fucking barrel, or you get screwed over, as you so eloquently put it, you can go somewhere else and be a fucking star. Try being a jobber from AEW and go to another company and see if you're worth a damn. Don't believe me? Call Dream Girl Ellie and see where her career's at. I'm just saying, WWE is obviously the superior company if Buddy Matthews... Don't interrupt me! I let you talk. Shut the fuck up. If Buddy Matthews can leave the WWE, go to AEW, and be a somebody, they're still a top company. Because this is a fucking joke. Not only is it a fucking joke, but here's why it's a fucking joke. You got Penta, who debuts a brand new gimmick and is left laying in the middle of the ring. That is the dumbest thing a booker could ever fucking do. I don't care that he got the win. Fuck that. When you debut anyone, anyone with a new gimmick, the only way to get the new gimmick over is not just for the guy to win, but he has to win and has to leave the person fucking laying. Best example, The Fiend. When Bray Wyatt came back with the fucking Fiend and he beat Finn Balor, he didn't just beat Finn Balor. He choked him out with that mandible claw and Finn Balor was laying and did not get up. I guarantee you, if the Fiend, if the Fiend had gotten the victory, but then Finn Balor had drop kicked him, hit him with a coup de gras, and he was laying there in the middle of the ring, and Finn Balor walked to the back, the Fiend would have looked weak. Fact. And that's the one thing people can say that WWE did right was this. They never once made Fiend made the Fiend look weak. Even when he lost to Goldberg, he didn't look weak. Because as Goldberg was celebrating, where was he? Right back on his feet, playing mind games, disappearing with the fake laugh. The only complaint I had was that he didn't leave, he didn't hit Goldberg with a mandible claw and left him laying in the middle of the ring. When you debut a new gimmick, you let the guy dominate. Otherwise, don't debut the new fucking gimmick. If this was going to be the finish with Buddy What's-His-Name showing up, there should have been no Pentagon Dark. You should have saved it till Revolution. Had him debut it there and kick all their asses. Instead, you bury the new Penta gimmick under this bullshit with Buddy joining the House of Black and making guys like me think I need to give a single fuck.
This was stupid, this was pointless, and it buried the new Penta gimmick. For a guy who's not even fucking special in any way, who left no impact on this business in any way, who did not deserve a debut of this magnitude in any way. Now, you may speak. Okay, maybe that is the truth, but you're you probably one of the very few people who don't have a problem with have a problem with Buddy. I like Buddy. I always have. That's all I have to say. So moving on. Thank you. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, we move on to the next segment here. Out comes Eddie Kingston. Then comes Jericho. Security's in the ring. Jericho says they should handle this like men and not street thugs. Eddie says Jericho doesn't even know what a street thug is. Eddie says that there are stones throw away from Stanford, but this isn't sports entertainment. Jericho says what they're going to do is better sports entertainment than what is done in Stanford. He recounts Eddie's journey, and Jericho admits he didn't know who Eddie was, but once he saw him, he knew he was good. He finally made it big time at 38 years old. Jericho, however, didn't give a shit about his story, and he didn't give a shit about him. Eddie made it big at 38. Jericho made it at 22. He's jealous of Jericho. Is he right? Eddie says he's not a carny. All Jericho is doing is sucking the blood out of him, and Eddie's not here for that. He wants to fight. He wants him versus Jericho at the pay-per-view. Jericho has a question for Eddie. Does he have achievophobia, which is a fear of success? If Eddie reached the mountaintop, he'd fall right off. Jericho did his research. He knows that his uncle was a failure, his father was a failure, and Eddie will be a failure too. Jericho accepts the match. If Eddie somehow does manage to beat Jericho, he'll look Eddie in the eye and tell him he's earned his respect. Eddie says he wants the Chris Jericho of old, WCW, the AEW champion, the one Paul Levesque hated. Because if he doesn't, he'll eat him alive. Jericho says he will give it to him, and when he does, Eddie will indeed realize he's a failure. Uh, can I speak? Yes, when I'm done reading it, you can talk. Okay, this right here was fucking epic, there, guys. It really, really was. Chris Jericho fucking hit a um hit a soft point at Eddie. What do you think, Benny? I thought this was very well done. Yeah. A lot of people are giving Eddie Kingston props for this promo. I'm not seeing it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Eddie was not either Eddie didn't know either forgot what he was gonna say or wasn't properly prepared and thought he could freestyle it. Like I feel like Eddie Kingston a lot of the time like he's one of those guys that's like he'll have like punchlines but no setup. Like, mm. he's just trying to, it's like he's trying to throw out insults like this is Yo Mama on MTV. And I'm like, no, it's about telling the story and getting more aggressive. Like, Jericho, at least, was painting the picture on what's supposed to happen. Eddie Kingston's all about, yo, this isn't sports entertainment, we should just fight. Which, obviously, the crowd wants to see, but everybody knows. If they fight right there on Dynamite, then what's there to watch for the pay-per-view? Which has always been my issue with with matches and stuff get being given away on free TV. You leave no incentive to buy the pay-per-view if, if everything I've seen has already been done. So I liked it. Jericho said, I got security here because I want us to talk like gentlemen. And it was good. And Jericho got under Eddie's skin, which was brilliant. You could see that he was crossing some lines, which was great great. This is one of the best promos in AEW that Jericho has done. And it's true. He said, I am the big one. Not Moxley, not Danielson, not CM Punk. It's me. And he's right. Because Jericho 
is the top guy in AEW. He is. For the first time in Jericho's career, he is not one of the top guys. He's the top guy. He is the guy that made AEW legitimate when they first opened their doors. That's why he needed to be the first ever AEW world champion because you need a, they needed a champion that people could take seriously. I love Adam Page, but if he had won the belt three years ago, there would be no credibility with this company because Adam Page wasn't ready. He's ready now. I just wish to commit. I just wish that he was booked better. I really do. I feel like he's not getting the proper respect that a world champion should get. But we'll get to that later. My point is, I love this segment, and I look forward to seeing Eddie Kingston versus Chris Jericho. But you know, Jericho, I thought was the better promo. I feel like Eddie Kingston was—he's trying too hard to be, you know, the guy with the with the zingers and the punchlines instead of just speaking more from the heart. I don't feel like he spoke from the heart in this. I felt like he was too busy trying to be, you know, the one-liner guy instead of just being him. Well, maybe because maybe um, <clears throat> uh, Chris Jericho had uh, Eddie uh, stopped. Now, if that's the case, then that's good storytelling. But I don't know for sure. But anyway. Well, we all know, like, like Eddie grew on me. He did, I didn't like him at first, but now I realize how good his promos were. And his in-ring capability is actually really good. Anyways. Yeah. Moving on. Yes. So next we got Matt Hardy's in the stairwell with the AFHO. And he says he is confident that Andrade will win the TNT title at Rampage. He didn't. Uh, and Hardy wants a Tornadoes Trios tag match at Revolution. Oh, God. Uh, why could it just be one-on-one? Well, because this is a tri- not just a trios tag match, it's a tornado trios tag match, which basically means this is a classic case of, say it with me, children, lazy booking. Booking. That's all this is. Lazy booking. Lazy fucking booking. At this the end, crap. At I'm the, tired of it. I'm sick of it. I'm getting pissed. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's all this is. It's lazy booking. Oh, God. Because this is going, this is, it's absolute garbage and it's going to be out of control. It's just going to be everybody flip flop flying and almost dying in this match. So yeah. it's anytime there's a tornado, anything, it's just all over the place and you don't know who's going to win. It's for goddamn ridiculous. It's not going to work. It's it's going to be a clusterfuck. I, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it right now. Yeah. The fact that Sting is in it might help them. And Sting and Matt Hardy might be able to cut back on that crazy shit. But of course, with, um, with, the uh, you know Sammy G, the Spanish spot monkey, and emo Knievel, Darby Allen. It's gonna be a closer. <laughs> so on that note, move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Um, Ricky Starks with Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ten in a face of the Revolution qualifying match. Uh, I like I said, I don't remember this much of it. This then you take over on this one. I'm trying to look it up. Yeah, this was a match. That's all it was. It was a good TV match, but uh, in the end, um, you know, 10 goes for a full Nelson. Ricky pulls at the mask. Spears 10 gets the one, two, three, and Ricky Starks is advancing to the face of the revolution as well he should because he is one yeah, of the most talented yeah. guys on this roster, and 10 is, is 10. He's ten in the. Is, uh, hey, remember, 10, 10, 10, 10. Yeah. 10. Yeah. I mean, 10, I mean, I liked it. He he's a big guy, but then again, it is Ricky Starks. I was like, okay, this is a yeah. A waste of time TV match. And on that note, we move on. We got Red Dragon bickering with the Bucks and Cole. Cole makes it clear to them he wants them to get along with Matt and Nick because they were pissed off at the fact they got screwed over in the Battle Royal. Um, I didn't give a shit about any of this, did you? Nope. 
Good. On that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the TBS Women's Championship. Oh, Jade Cardgill defends the title against the Bunny. Okay, okay, okay. I never ever to build years would I agree with Elvis Zalinski here, the pretty boy tricky fuck. Thank you, Elvis, for letting me take over your job. But I understand is this. I can give two fillers fuck about Jade Cardgill. That's all I have to say. Every time I, I think she sucks, I don't like her gimmicks. She's out there to defend her, her, her kids and I mean, who isn't a professional wrestler that doesn't do that today? That's all I have to say. Mm -hmm. I have two shits. I really don't. I think you agree with me, right? I mean, not exactly. I mean, I don't hate Jade Cargill, but I think she even Elvis admits she's improved a little bit. Um, the bunny, I've always been a fan of the bunny. Uh, I always thought she had a great gimmick. Um, I just wish she would wrestle more because we don't get to see her enough. So, but when she's in the ring, she's, she's great. She's always able to pull off great fun segments. She's always a joy to watch to me. So I love Jay Cargill. Um, then of course we got, um, the, then of course the bunny kicking ass, taking names. Uh, and then Jade eventually, um, you know, gets, hits the widow's peak, gets the one, two, three retains. Uh, Matt Hardy and uh, Mark Sterling um, were out there, and they get ejected from the match because I, you know, yeah, the, I saw that as well. I, I thought that was dumb. So it was, if anything, it interferes with the match, in my opinion. But anyway, either way, it's great. Um, you know, I I'm just glad the Bunny got a title shot. Jay Cargill's still the champion, and there's no signs of her dropping the belt anytime soon. She gets on the mic and tots up a record before asking who's next. She goes, "Better yet, who's left?" Out comes Tay Conti for a confrontation. Bunny tries to attack Tay, but gets Tay, but you know, gets Tay ko- KO'd. Basically, she knocks him out. Oh. Jade pump kicks the heck out of Conti. Anna Jay runs down with a chair, but Jade casually walks off. So now the big question is who's going to face her next, Tay Conti or Anna Jay? Um, but my question is why should I give a fuck? I don't give a fuck. Anyway, next, okay. Alex, Alex Marvez is backstage with Keith Lee, who's about to talk up his face of the Revolution ladder match. He notes that he and someone like Ricky Starks has a history, and speak of the devil, in comes Starks. He says history doesn't matter in AEW, it's what you do in AEW. And Lee and Hobbs have a stare down, and Starks says they should save it for Revolution. Uh, okay, uh, if um, Keith Lee loses this match, he'll be buried, and Keith Lee coming to AEW will be pointless. Yeah. Uh, I truly believe Keith Lee needs to win this uh, Face of the Revolution ladder match. Uh, unless they got some big, unless they have a a bigger surprise coming in, that that would be a bigger name. But I think whoever wins this needs to become the TNT champion because uh, Sammy G is just not doing it. I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm sick of it. I am too. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening. We got Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson. This was not, this was actually really fucking good. <laughs> This is this was brilliant, and I'm trying to remember as much as humanly possible. Like I've said, Vinny, I didn't expect this to happen. So please, from what you remember, bear this at me, then, man. How good was this match? Was it like you like like hell yeah? Was this a, a very stellar? good? Okay, okay. This okay, was a stellar main event. Okay, okay. Brian Danielson, it, this is living proof that he can make anybody in the ring look good. Like you said before, man, is he right now in the wrestling business? Apart from the other evil company is he the best tech wrestler in the business right now yes i said that even back when he was in wwe i said it back then the only issue i had with him was his promos he sucked on the mic he was terrible he eventually got better over time
time, and him him doing the whole planet's champion thing was one of the best gimmicks he ever had. Yeah, yeah. But he yeah, yeah. he so he eventually got better and better and better on the mic, and now he is amazing. And he's better in the ring too. He doesn't do that high risk shit anymore. Well, yeah, he doesn't have a choice. He doesn't he doesn't want any yeah. more concussions, and he wants to stay in the ring as long as possible. So he knows he can't wrestle like that anymore because eventually you will be forced to switch your style up eventually because if you don't use if you don't do it the common sense way you're going to do it the hospital way because you're going to realize you're not ready for your career to be over and Daniel's Cough. not ready for a career Stop to be over. One. So, Stella. Yeah, dude. I, yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, I, I agree with you, dude. Yeah, I remember this match. I, I'm remembering that. Man, it was physical, dude. As, as, like, what I like what they did with Daniel Bryan, they didn't automatically put the belt on him. But eventually, give it another good six months to a year. I'm calling Daniel Bryan. He will have the belt. He's, they don't put it on here soon. What the fuck is he doing? Yeah. So, of course, after the match, uh, so, yeah, so Danielson um, eventually gets him to tap out after he stomps away on Garcia gets a triangle sleeper flexes in victory and then gets on the mic to say to Garcia that's exactly what he wanted to see was Garcia violent enough suddenly 2.0 attack Danielson Moxie's music hits as he fights 2.0 off and then rids them both of the ring Garcia goes to smack Mox with a chair but Mox catches him with a paradigm shift Danielson has the chair as the two men stare at one another. Brian grabs the mic again with chair in hand and awaits for this is awesome chance to die down. He says he doesn't need a chair to make anybody bleed. You want a match at Revolution? You got it. Don't be surprised if you're the only person bleeding. And the show ends with them staring each other down. Daniel, you brilliant, brilliant man. That was freaking awesome. He just basically said, you want to want to go one-on-one first blood match? Let's do this, motherfucker. You and me. You're on. He stood up and looked up like, okay, let's see what you got. And this right here, this is good. Oh, it's going to be very good. <laughs> oh, they're not fucking up. Very oh, good. God. So we got... So we officially have Moxley and Danielson for Revolution. Going to be a hell of a match, and we're going to find out if Moxley can finally beat Brian Danielson. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude the recap of AEW for February twenty third, twenty twenty two. We're going to take a sh- we're going to take a short break here, and when we come back, we will have your recap of March second, twenty twenty two. From AEW Dynamite here on the Boochcast. So you guys sit tight. We shall return right after this. Stay tuned, folks. Take a right down. Here's the storm from Dublin town. On the scene of work, it's the 
Irish curse. To enter the ring, would you be leaving worse? Needing a nurse. Cause I got the thirst to come first in the worst way. Cause today is my day. So what do you say? So what do you say? Well, let me hear you now, now. What do you say? So what do you say? So what do you say? Well, let me hear you now, now. What do you say? Welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, we played the song The Irish Curse, which was an original theme song for Sheamus back with his, when he had a different gimmick before he got into WWE and became the Celtic Warrior. He was actually called Sheamus O'Shaughnessy. You can actually look this up online. And it was one of the coolest gimmicks I've ever seen. Like, Sheamus looked like a, a battle like Irish warrior. His uh, fan base was called the Clan SOS like Seamus O'Shaughnessy, and his catchphrase was, I've always been, I'll always be, now come with me. I wish Seamus would bring this gimmick back to WWE. I wish he would, because I honestly believe if he did, he would be the most dominant motherfucker on the roster with this gimmick. I think it would be over like Rover, and it'd be much better than the stuff he's doing right now. Don't get me wrong, I'm still a fan of Seamus, but I feel like he can do so much better. And as a side note, if Zach ever does finally get laid, we talked about potentially changing his theme song, because as you guys know, his theme song is, Maybe you won't die alone. Now, I haven't played it recently, because during NXT and AEW, we don't do that. But at some point, I might have Zach join in on the variety shows while Elvis is taking his break, and I'll probably play it then. But if Zach does get laid, I might change it to... Uh, the Irish Curse. That's just a consideration. And that was the Seamus O'Shaughnessy theme song here on the Boochcast. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we will commence with the recap of AEW from March 2nd, 2022, this past Wednesday. And of course, we kicked things off. We got, of course, at the broadcast table, legendary Tony Schiavone, the Hall of Famer Jim Ross, and the racist Excalibur. And we kicked things off with Tony Khan, who, of course, as we all know, has this big announcement, this big announcement. We've been hearing about it for weeks and weeks and days and days. Oh, he's got this big announcement. The thing is, 
I'm not really excited for the big announcement at first because it's like everybody always says they have a big announcement. It's always some kind of letdown or it's something that's overhyped and over-celebrated and you hear about it and it's like, all right, this is cool, but I wouldn't call this a huge announcement. But you can tell it's a big deal because Tony Khan's on TV. And for some reason, he never allows himself to be on TV. So he says, when they started AEW three years ago, it started out in the parking lot, as we all know, because they had the big press conference and the fireworks. Tony was there, Cody was there, the Bucks were there, Kenny was there for some fucked up reason, and of course Jericho was there to put the legitimacy on everything when he signed his three-year contract. So he also announced that 17 years ago was the start of Ring of Honor, and he announces that he just signed the deal, and he's officially the new owner of Ring of Honor. So AEW has now acquired or procured Ring of Honor. Khan also announces that he wants to kick off the show with the opening match that took place in Ring of Honor that never had a winner. One of the first main event in the history of Ring of Honor, which was Christopher Daniels versus Brian Danielson. That happened 20 years ago and one week ago on that very day, March 2nd. So before we get to this first match, Zach, what are your thoughts? On Tony Khan buying ROH. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know anybody in ROH. I really don't. I'm like, okay, you bought ROH, and I heard ROH was not doing too good. So, okay. Yeah. So I have to say. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, know. I don't know. I don't watch ROH. I never have. Last time I was heard, I I don't even remember who was the last ROH World Champion. I don't care. Well, uh, Ring of Honor has been around for a very long time. In fact, a lot of the stars that have come through WWE and everybody in the last year has come through Ring of Honor. Like, Seth Rollins was big in Ring of Honor. Uh, Kevin Owens. Sami Zayn. You know, those guys. Hell, even CM Punk and uh, Daniel Bryan were originals in Ring of Honor. Uh, Samoa Joe was there. Like, even the Hardys, uh, before they came back to WWE, they were in Ring of Honor. In fact, when we saw them at WrestleMania, they had just dropped the Ring of Honor tag team titles the night before, which is why people believed that they were coming to uh, WWE the next day and be at WrestleMania. So, Ring of Honor is a big deal. What I find interesting is that Tony Khan purchased Ring of Honor, and a lot of fans are happy about it. But yet, my question to everybody that's happy about it is this. Would you have that same excitement if Vince had purchased Ring of Honor? Because if you don't, that's hypocritical. Because the last thing you want is for any organization to create a monopoly. Because that's the worst thing that can happen to the wrestling business. When Vince purchased WCW and ECW, it killed the business for a very long time. Because there was no competition, which meant Vince was being lazy with booking. You know, the lazy booking. That's what was happening here. He very much was screwing things up in his own company because of that. And a lot of fans drifted away. Now, some people might think that Ring of Honor fans and AEW fans are the same. There are some who will gravitate to AEW. There are some ROH fans who are just going to give up and walk away. We got to see how many of those fans are really going to cross over. And here's the other question. With Ring of Honor now under Tony Khan's ownership, are we going to see any former Ring of Honor people come through? Because a lot of their contracts expired in Ring of Honor because they were closing down to uh, go on hiatus and decide what they were going to do going forward. Well, apparently they made their choice. The, you know, Sinclair Broadcasting sold Ring of Honor Tony Khan. So now, the question with Tony is, is he just going to bring all the Ring of Honor talent in there? Is he just going to use their video library? Is he going to try to run simultaneous shows like AEW and ROH? Like, how is this going to work? 
because Ring of Honor had a lot of good talent in there. And I don't know if any of them want to come to AEW. And here's the thing. AEW is getting to the point where they have too many, ta- too much talent on the roster and not enough to, to really go around. Like, a lot of these guys are just going to be sitting at home with checks. It's no, it's no different than the WWE. Because, you know, WWE right now doesn't have a lot of people. Ring of AEW now has too many people. And you can't push them all. Because someone's got to be a main eventer. Someone's got to be a mid-carter. And someone's got to be a jobber or a curtain jerker or whatever. Everybody has to play a role. You can't, have, you can't get everybody over. Somebody's got to lose make, to make the other person win. To make the other person look good. And it's got to be the person you want to push. So I don't know if this is good or bad for the company yet. I feel like this can be, you know, something that may affect AEW in the long run because if Tony Khan creates a monopoly, then the, the boys are still fucked. Because again, can't put everybody on TV. You can't make everyone a star. And you can't give everyone an equal opportunity. There's going to be some people that will suffer because of this. Especially if Tony doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. So Zach, if you have anything to add, feel free. Otherwise, we're moving on. Um, let's see where this goes, because I really don't know who's in ROH, so I have nothing to say. So on that note, we move on to our first official match of the evening, Brian Danielson yeah. versus Christopher Daniels. Um, you want to take this one or should I? You can go first. I thought this was fucking awesome. Great opening fucking match. Man, this is physical and brutal and nasty. When I saw Christopher Daniels come out, I was like... <laughs> I was like, yes. Now that is old school. He's what, fifty-one years old? So, question: Is he blind in one eye? Um, I don't think so. Why? Because I heard that in the match, or I was just probably, you know, maybe misheard something. Um, uh, that was a good match, though. I know and, he suffered um, an eye injury a while back. Maybe that's what, what I just heard. I think Jr. said it, but otherwise than that, that was that was good. That was actually that was a great opening match. It really was. Physicality and in the end, ladies and gentlemen, poor Christopher Daniels tapped out, which is good because Christopher Daniels would have beaten Daniel Bryan right before he's supposed to go against um, John Moxley. You just buried uh, Daniel Bryan. Am I right or am I wrong? Well, yeah, Daniel Bryan had to win this match. Yeah, I was like, it was, he yeah, he did what was necessary. I was like, okay, I was like, at least okay, at least he did do a squash. Thank well, God. No, they, it was uh, the way they hyped up this match. If they had made a squash, it would have been a disservice to the fans. You can't do that. You can't hype up a match of this magnitude saying this is the, the match that first, the first match of Ring of Honor, the first main event of Ring of Honor, and they never, and they never had a clear cut winner, like it ended in a draw or something. Mm-hmm. At that point, you got to deliver a match. Now, whether Brian wins or Daniels wins, Okay, but either way, you gotta deliver a solid fucking match, and they did. That was, oh, they 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 they, they total roof down. Great opening match. Thank fucking god, it was awesome. I was like, thank god. Anything else you had to say about this match, sir? Yeah, I like the fact they observed the code of honor at the beginning of the match. I thought was very good. Oh, shake the hands. Yes, that's the code of honor. That was one of the things in Ring of Honor was they were very big on uh, shaking hands. You start every match with a handshake. You end every match with a handshake. That's why they called it honor. Um, and sometimes they would use the code of honor, like the baby face would always extend his hand, and in some cases the heel either wouldn't shake the hand or would slap the guy or whatever, get the match started. I think uh, Cornette came up with that idea, but a lot of fa- some fans liked it, a lot of a lot of fans didn't. 
Um, they preferred to see everybody shaking hands, but to me, um, the code of honor should only work in like regular settings. Like the only time two people should really be shaking hands if they're in a if you're in a high profile emotional rivalry, the only oh. time you should observe the code of honor is if you're like, okay, we don't like each other, but we have mutual respect for each other because of wars we fought in the past. Then I can let it slide. But in some cases, it's good for the heel to either not shake the person's hand or do a slap or whatever to get their heat. But that would involve being old school, and apparently there was no place in Ring of Honor for people who are old school. Because um, apparently Ring of Honor got better towards the end. I watched Ring of Honor for an entire year back in 2014. Like 14 to 15, I watched Ring of Honor for an entire year. And it was one of the worst wrestling shows I'd ever seen. Was it that bad? Yes. Because, uh, first of all, it only lasted an hour. And I think any wrestling show that lasts an hour can't get any good television. Especially <laughs> if most of the hour is wrestling matches. Because, yeah, you're getting action, but there's no story to go with it. Basically just watching wrestling for the sake of watching wrestling. It's it's, it's like the difference between watching a regular football game and a football game involving heated rivals. Like, I'll use this as an example because Zach loves college football. If you watched uh, LSU versus Tennessee, you're not really going to give a shit, okay? No, of course LSU, not. LSU, Tennessee, whoop-de-doo. Whoop-de-doo. Oh, but, but if you get uh, UGA versus Georgia Tech, you're more likely to watch that one. Or Georgia versus Alabama. You're likely to there watch that go. one. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Because those are heated rivalry. Or like in baseball. Oh, you have no clue. Yeah, but I'm saying like in baseball, it's like, okay, it's uh, it's the Mariners versus the Diamondbacks. Who uh, gives a shit about that? Exactly. Nobody. It's a game. Uh, if yeah, you... yeah, maybe. I was, I was like, oh, who gives a shit? Or, or like, can I say something? Like the most epic sport, the most epic rival in MLB history. And you know who that the fuck is, right? It's none other than the Red Sox and the Yankees. People, ra- I understand where you come from. People rather watch the Red Sox and the Yankees go catching the rival. When it comes to football, they rather see. Um, I don't give a fuck about pro, but like uh, and pro fo- uh, no, college football, the most epic college football uh, showdown is not even the SEC. It's Ohio State and Michigan. But I understand where you come from. They rather see that than see somebody who like okay, we don't know who these people are than see somebody like Shawn Michaels or Undertaker. Just as an example. Yeah, there, that's the point. There has the rivalry tells the story, so you know it's going to be intense. If you're just but but you're if you're just watching two random teams go against each other, then you're just watching a game. So you'll enjoy it if you like baseball, but it's not going to really be something that you're going to get emotionally invested in. You're just watching a game. It's the same thing with wrestling. If there's no story behind the match, you're just watching a match. That's yeah, all. It is. Exactly. Yeah, I hear you, man. All right, sorry for the interruption. All right, anything else to say about this? I mean, I have good, a plenty. All right, go ahead. Thank you. So, yeah, so that's the point I'm trying to make here. So that's why what made this match great was the story about this being an old Ring of Honor match and everything else. But also, like I said, that's why the Code of Honor works to get heat in that regard. But that's what it is. It gives emotional. That's why I couldn't enjoy Ring of Honor because every match was exactly the same. Everybody wrestled exactly alike. The matches were exactly alike. Every now and then you'd have a couple people cutting promos, and that would make me want to stick around because those people were interesting, but everything else was just blah, blah, blah. In fact, it's where I saw the dumb fucks for the first time and grew to hate them every week. And how? What was your very first thought when you saw them? They were the most unoriginal tag team in all of professional wrestling, and I still believe that today. 
Yeah, I, trust me, I 100% agree with you. But as as a analyst, did you did it, it didn't look interesting at all? No, nothing okay. about okay. the young. That's all I want to know. Nothing about the young bucks interests me at all. They dress like the Rockers. They wrestle like the Hardys. They taunt like the Click. There's nothing original about them. There's nothing remotely interesting about them. And everything they do is an embarrassment to the business. Everything. That's why I don't like them. It's why I'm never going to like them. And it's why they never will have my respect. And it's yeah, why when people are consider themselves fans of the Young Bucks, I can't take them seriously as wrestling fans. Because I don't understand how you can love professional wrestling and see anything positive in that tag team at all. It's a, it's a circus act. Yes. And it's not even an original one. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's all I just want to know about that. Now I know because I 100% agree with you. But go ahead, sir. Okay, so after this, Danielson gets on the mic and says, 20 years ago in Ring of Honor, they started matched with a handshake and ended with a handshake. So he grabs uh, Christopher Daniels' hand, kind of shakes it and says, give it up for Christopher Danielson. He says, but he's not in Ring of Honor anymore. He's in AEW, and it's time to kick someone's head in. So he drops the mic, grabs the other hand, and just starts stomping away at Christopher's face. And then Danielson says he's going to do the same to Moxley at Revolution. Out comes Moxley. He says, the story of John Moxley is just beginning, and the first chapter is going to be written in blood. He tells Brian to take his shot now, and then cuts a few, he says a few other words too. Drops the mic. And, uh, you know, Brian Danielson gets in fight mode, but then he rolls out of the ring. All right. I guess this is my cue, right? Yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, when um, Daniel grabbed his hand, like, give it up, give it up, give it up. I was like, I'll buy it like, right down there. I was like, yeah, this is going to turn south. Doing, like, right there, it was showing, like, like, like you want a piece of me? You want a piece of me uh, there, John Moxley? All right, all right, all right. And then Daniel was doing his thing there, everybody, and uh, Fanny Bucci. Okay, calm down. Is this and then Mox comes out. All right, I was like, I was like, all right, I can see this about you, Daniel. Like, like, like you're more evil. You're all bad, and you're most vicious. That's the Daniel, Daniel I want. And, and back and forth, like you said, just about 45 seconds ago, Daniel was about ready to hit him and scurry out of the ring. I thought this was a hell of a promo. I yeah, really did I made the hell of it? It was the the ending was predictable, very predictable. Like when Moxie says, "Take your shot," I knew Danielson was going to roll out of the ring. Same as I. I knew it. Like it's going yeah. to happen. Yep, pretty much to the T. Because the the heels never going to want to fight. Well, of course not. And the heels shouldn't I, want to fight. Can I say something? Why do you not? 100%, do you 100% agree that Daniel Bryan is a heel right now? I don't really don't get it. Me, he's more like an anti-hero. Okay. Like, John Mox, like, hear me out real quick. John Moxley is a punisher, but Daniel Bryan is Dexter, if you know what I mean. Okay. I'm just pointing it out there. Zach, what horrible, bad, deplorable person has Daniel Bryan beaten up? Mm, he put a rough, la uh, rough landing on uh, Adam Page. Uh, no, no, I'm not Is Adam Page considered a bad person? No, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that people cheer for the uh, people cheer for somebody like the Punisher, but what they really cheer for somebody like Dexter. No, or maybe I'm talking out of my ass. Zach, the analogy you just gave was fucking What's dumb, up? and I'm gonna tell you why it was dumb. Oh, please. Okay, it's dumb. I don't want to hear it. Can we just move on? Uh, no, because if you're going to cut me off to say something stupid, I'm going to call you out on it. Damn it. All right? Next time, you, sh you should stop being squirrely, and I won't have to do that. Okay? But Dexter was a horrible example because the whole concept of Dexter was he was a murderer, 
but the people he killed were terrible, horrible people. So peep, so fans got behind Dexter because he was still w- doing his job as a blood testing forensics guy. He was still working hard to solve cases. It's just that he would murder the bad people. So even though technically he was a murderer and should go to fucking jail because he killed bad people, nobody really wanted to convict him. They weren't like motivated to catch him. If they did, they do their job, but it wasn't something they were motivated motivated to work on so that was a horrible example okay now you want to compare moxley to who'd you compare him to the punisher i can see that okay i can see that but daniel this is the thing brian danielson is a heel he is a full-fledged fucking heel because he he's a coward number one You know, anybody that rolls out of the ring backs up, that's a fucking heel. That is a number one heel move. And here's the thing. Heels are allowed to be cowards. The problem is wrestlers today, most of them, don't have the fucking balls to do the cowardly way. And most fans get mad like, I don't want a chicken shit heel. Why? They're the best ones. It's how you drag out a match. It's how you keep things going. It's how you it's it's a it's literally a cheat code to get the baby face over. It's like using a cheat code in a video game. Cause think about it, Zach. If what? you're in a fight with someone and you're about to hit them and that person immediately go like covers up or puts their hands up and goes, Please don't hurt me, please. I beg you. I don't want to get hit. Please don't hurt me. Please. No, 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 no. Who's the tough guy? You or him? Hey, yeah. Hey, hey. There you go. You pretty much... Now, if you want to hit him at that point, go ahead. But you've already won because you got him to cower like a little bitch. And if people are watching... And they see him going like that. If you're like in a circle and two guys are going to fight and you're about to fight and he says, please, please, please don't hurt me. Please, please don't hurt me. Please, I want to live. Please don't hurt me. That whole crowd already is behind you before you've even thrown the punch because you scared him. This man is clearly in extreme fear of you. The crowd is already on your side. You didn't have to say anything. You didn't have to throw any punches. The heel didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was back down like a pussy. And you are over like Rover. And you didn't even have to lift a finger. It is the quickest way to get a baby face over. And as a heel, that is your job. To get the crowd to hate you and get the baby face over that is your job as a heel if you cannot do those things you are not a real heel you're just trying to be a tweener or one of those nwo cool heels and you're not the nwo you don't sell tickets like the nwo you don't work matches like the nwo you're just a fucking wannabe so that's what makes this bad comparison i'm sorry yes all right can i say something why not? All right, uh, uh, like I don't regret off topic. If you would compare, no, what? Never mind. Moving on. All right. So after that, we cut to the backstage area. We see Sting and Darby Allen. Sting notes that there will be heavy-duty fines and suspensions for anybody that gets involved in their trios match. It doesn't bug Sting, and it doesn't bug Darby. No matter what happens on Rampage, they're gonna make their alliance a successful one. On Rampage, however, it's showtime. At least they're being honest. It's like uh, we're going against each other on Rampage. To basically what Sting and Darby said towards, um, who are they teaming up with again? forgot. Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara. At least they're being faces and have their tag team batch. And heels, not so much. Well, yeah. And that's the key thing about being a babyface is that you're like, look, 
at the pay-per-view, we're supposed to be a team. I got your back, and we're going to back you up. But at the same time, I want to be the TNT champion. And if I have to beat you to get that belt, so be it. And that's a babyface thing. It's about, hey, everybody wants to be the champion. Everybody wants to be the best. Everybody wants that. It's, that's what it's all about. So as long as you're doing it the honorable way, you're still a babyface. As long as Darby Allen doesn't grab the tights or do any low blows or nothing like that, if he just knocks Sammy down, hits that coffin drop, one, two, three, or that spinning stunner bullshit and gets the one, two, three, as long as he wins the honorable way, Sammy should not be required to get mad because he lost legitimately. So they're in this match as a triple threat for the TNT title, but he's made it clear, I'm coming for the belt, but at Revolution, we'll still be, a, we'll still be on your side if you want us. So it was a great promo. Good job on everybody there, and it's yep, a motivating factor to watch Rampage. I don't watch Rampage. I watch the highlights. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have the second Casino Tag Team Battle Royal with Bear Country, The Butcher and the Blade, The Gun Club, 10 and 5, The Wingmen, Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson, The Acclaimed, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order, 2.0, Santana and Ortiz, The Best Friends, FTR, Top Flight, and The Young Bucks. Um, no, no, no. No, 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 no. This right here, ladies and gentlemen, was a fucking goddamn garbage fucking spot fest. No, 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 no. No, Vinny, take over for a full thought. I need to pack a bowl. You need to pack a bowl? Yes, I'm pissed. Why? Jeez, I fucking wonder. I think you're pissed off too. Oh yeah, I, I don't know. We we could be pissed off for different reasons. Why why are you angry? Jeez, as soon I saw these little pieces of fucking garbage and trash and filth, not even worth a, 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 the killing the business. These two guys come out here in um, gold pants, and those people are none other than the spot monkey piece of shit, garbage, cock sucking. Take it up the fucking ass. The dumb fucks. Are they wrestling Vinny Bucci? Are they going to go march in a gay pride parade? Are they coming out of the closet? I don't know. Do they have a... Are they, like, I don't know. Are one of them going off and sucking off Kenny Omega and taking Kenny Omega uh, fucks him in the ass? I don't know. But as of right now, my heart's racing right now. And I'm trying not to throw things like Gator Ricky Rush. So, Vinny, please take over because I'm really about to freak the fuck out and I need to go grab a beer and sit in the living room and my roommate to sleep on the couch. So, Benny, please take over and I'm going to shut the fuck up and you go right the fuck ahead. Well, it's a miracle because that's going to be quiet. So, we got this match here um, up until the finish was okay. But like most battle royals, it was just kind of there. I mean, I thought FTR was great. Um, I think... Um, Brock, I think uh, Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson had a great showing in this match. Um, I'd never really seen them before, but it was great. Uh, I know the Wingmen, they've always been a good team. Uh, very well done. Uh, the Acclaim came out. Of course, they did their stupid-ass rap as they came out to the ring. And they took... <laughs> They took a cheap shot at Kane, which is to be expected because most people in AEW are libtards. Um, and then, of course, uh, the Dark Order was in there. 
Don't know why. Nobody gives a shit about them. I really hated that Santana and Ortiz didn't do well in this. I thought the Best Friends was a wasted spot. And again, I just don't like Battle Royals in, in, in wrestling in general. Like Except for the Royal Rumble, that's about it. Because, like I said, they're just spot fests. And nobody really gets over in these things. And obviously the Young Bucks got... No, we knew they I would. Mean, and it was a fucking no. waste. Because now it's going to be the Young Bucks... Versus Red Dragon versus Jurassic Express at Revolution for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. And I swear, I swear to God, <laughs> so, I don't care if Red Dragon wins. I don't give a fucking fuck if Jurassic uh, Express is win. I swear to God, AEW's tag team division is on the fucking line. I mean, time out, man. What do they see in these guys? The pieces are fucking worthless shit. Doing, 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 doing. What the fuck are we watching? Are we watching wrestling or goddamn wrestling show? No. Every time we see these cocksucker motherfuckers, we see a goddamn circus act. I'm surprised they don't fucking wear, you know, a clown outfit with a hat, the big fucking red nose, motherfuckers. <sighs> Thank you. Moving on. People say I'm angry about this. But anyway, um, yeah, so we got this triple threat match coming up and... Oh, God. The way I see it, I, I would love to see Red Dragon win. I think Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are a phenomenal tag team. Uh, I'm not feeling Jurassic Express with the tag belts. I don't think they're doing really good with it. Um, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, I feel like this tag team is running its course. The only good thing about it is that Marco Polo is no longer with them. So thank God for that. Uh, they got Christian with them, which is okay. But I feel like it's just they're relegating Christian to this group because they don't want to put him in any main event matches where he clearly belongs. I mean, how do you? I, I don't. I, this is the thing about AEW that really bothers me is guys like Matt Hardy, and yet you're not pushing them to be world champions, even though they would put star power and legendary status behind your belts, as opposed to a lot of the other unqualified pieces of shit that you give title shots to on the regular like it's just for goddamn ridiculous and it's like it's telling me that it tells me this is a company that doesn't want to grow it's just gonna stay exactly the way it is because all they care about is their niche audience they don't give a shit about nothing else and that's fine but you'll never grow that way um then of course uh we cut to uh chris jericho says the entire world is buzzing after his promo or conversation with eddie kingston he says this sunday eddie finally gets his chance to shine in the spotlight uh does kingston really have what it takes to beat him if he does he's gonna shake his hand and tells him he has his undying respect but if he beats him he's gonna laugh in his face and tell him to go fuck himself uh in comes santana and ortiz ortiz gives him a fist bump and jericho asks if we're good Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. this is why i like chris jericho better on the mic than i do in the ring that's the truth i mean that right there was fucking epic that was one of his better promos he's like you want a piece of me at occasion bring it motherfucker just like somebody else we saw tonight Just yeah saying. well yeah jericho's um you know always been great on the mic um oh, and of course absolutely. And of course, um, you know, this match of him and Eddie Kingston is going to be very good. It's going to be intriguing to see. Um, Jericho, once again, did a great job of hyping up the match. So I'm very, very excited for it. I like the GFY, which was uh, his way of saying on TV, go fuck yourself, which I think is great. Uh, if Jericho does, if Jericho does beat Eddie, if Jericho does beat Eddie um, at Revolution, I think he should laugh in his face and he should just say the words "go fuck yourself" because it's going to be pay per view, so go all out. Um, 
And I'm intrigued to see if things are good between Santana and Ortiz and Jericho, or are the or are they going to end up uh, beating up Jericho? at Revolution. Could this be where the inner circle officially has their split up moment with at least Santana and Ortiz leaving and it's just Jericho, Sammy, and Jake Hager. You know, that'll be intriguing to see and then that could lead to like six man tags down the road and things like that to kind of end that rivalry. And then on that note, we cut to CM Punk. Uh, Out comes CM Punk. He questions now as to if he's the bad guy. He said what Max did take took courage to do. Punk can't shake the feeling that he's being gaslit. Uh, he'll make it clear he doesn't think Max is lying. Where he what he questions is his sincerity. Punk notes a famous picture of him and Steve Austin. And Austin left wrestling and he wasn't mad at the world. Of course, he's referencing Stone Cold walking out on the company in 2002. Uh, while he was in the middle of a feud with um, Ric Flair and I believe Eddie Guerrero as well. Um, Punk note, yeah, so he said, uh, he wasn't, but he wasn't mad at the world. He, since he's been back, he's seen MJF take out Dean Malenko, who suffers from Parkinson's. He's watched Max run down Brian Pillman Jr.'s father, Brian Pillman, in his own hometown. He also saw MJF make fun of Darby Allen's late uncle, and he knows that hurt people hurt people, which is so true. And Punk invites MJF to come out and have a conversation with him. Matt comes out and Punk tells him all the awful things he's done in wrestling. You know, he talked about pouring alcohol down an alcoholic's throat. He referenced uh, covering The Undertaker and Paul Bearer's ashes. And he referenced um, Jeff Hardy having, you know, drug and alcohol problems and him inevitably ending up relapsing, getting left let go from the company shocker and uh so after that he says what's right what what he can do right now is that there's an 11 year old kid watching at home that's what this is about punk said this morning he splashed water on his face and asked am i the good guy punk says he sure is trying and he extends his hand because he knows mjf when he first got there extended his hand and punk didn't shake it Instead, Max hugs him, and Punk returns the embrace after a bit. He's a little, he, and next thing you know, MJF kicks Punk in the balls. MJF gives him the heat seeker and rips off his dress shirt to reveal a t-shirt with the Punk, um, you know, young Max photo on. He calls for the pinnacle. They come out. Wardlow hands Max the ring, and MJF drills Punk with the hit. Hits him with a dynamite ring. Uh, FTR play interference to security, and Punk is bloodied. Max wipes his blood on his white tee, grabs a hold of a microphone while, while Punk is locked in a dog collar, and says he's a stupid son of a bitch, and he's going to show Punk why he's the devil himself. Spears strangles him with the chain before staying Darby Allen and Sammy G. I'm out for the save. Okay, um... One thing, let you have Jeff Hardy. That's all I have to say on that. And otherwise than that, this was a good promo. Fantastic promo. Like, what I see CM Punk was trying to do was say, this is karma. I was waiting for that word. <laughs> this is karma, motherfucker. But otherwise than that, MGF just but uh, just sent a huge-ass message to Punk. I thought this was very well done. It was done. It was uh, actually actually fantastic. Except for a little comment about Jeff, but that's just me. Yeah, even though it was accurate. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so what I liked about this was MJF basically outsmarting CM Punk. Uh, I, I when they hugged, I had I knew right, I knew he was gonna kick him in the yeah, balls. I, oh, all about it. Cause she was, I was like, this is gonna happen, and look what happened. <laughs> I saw that coming a mile away. 
But of course, the the promo was phenomenal from uh, the part of MJF and CM Punk, uh, you know, trying to reference things and try to, you know, get sympathy with MJF, I thought was very well done. And it was a phenomenal story to tell. And like I said, this was the only thing I gave a shit about. I was the only thing I looked forward to. I didn't give a fuck about nothing else. And this delivered. And I am now officially excited for the dog collar match this Sunday. The question is, is who you going to go for? That's going to be the question. We'll see who goes over. But either way, they did exactly what they needed to do to motivate people to see this match. This is must-see, and out of all the matches, it's the most must-see on the Ross, on the car, match card list. Well, Tom can only tell, sir, but otherwise than that, that folks, this was uh, epically, epically good. MGM put a fucking set a message. This is that's the one match I'm looking forward to out of everything else. That dog collar match because you've seen dog collar matches before and they are violent. I've only seen a handful. And uh, as long as they work the match good and keep each other safe, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean I like dog collar matches and I like death matches, but that's another topic for another day. Moving on. Yeah. So after the break, uh, Keith Lee gets interrupted by Ricky Starks again. He warns Lee that he's entering Starks country at Rampage. He'll see him when he sees him, and Keith Lee notes that he will be there. Mm, let's see what happens on this. There's just like just basically a confrontation between the two. That's very well what this could lead to. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. See what happens. Revolution, please don't suck. <laughs> well, yeah, it'll be intriguing to see if this rivalry drags on uh, after the face of the Revolution ladder match, which is where they're going to be meeting up. Can I say something real quick? Why not? Uh, I would like to show you know when it comes to a good rivalry, I think if you do the best at a three match. Okay. Just I bet that's the bug me. If if you have a good rivalry, whoever wins at the best out of three matches, doesn't matter any type of match. If you win, you're the better person. You're the man. You're the dude or the woman. The same. That's I've been wanting to say that for years against you. Anyways, moving on. Yeah. So on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Uh, True. Britt Baker and Jamie Hader versus Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa. Vinny, I'm gonna ask you something. Okay. Do you call this a match? No. Nope. Botch? No, it's not a botch. There weren't any botches. It was just not that interesting. I didn't give a shit about anything here. But in the process of it, at least Thunder Rosa got the pin. Yeah. And she hit that. Once again, with a little bit of psychology, maybe. Yeah, she hit the Thunder Driver clean on Britt Baker for the one, two, three, which was interesting. Um, so now we got, you know, this this tag team match that was just kind of there. And then uh, we get to Jay Cargill, who interrupts Ty Conti backstage to make her intentions clear for a challenger. Conti isn't allowed to lay a hand on her. So one of the stipulations where you can't touch me till the pay-per-view, which doesn't make sense because the go-home episode of AEW. Why even have the fucking restraining order? It makes no sense. No, it doesn't. So moving on. Yeah. Uh, we cut to uh, Chris Statlander and Layla Hurst who exchange words with one another in a video package. Um, I loved this video package. I thought it was very well done. Chris trying to show we're going to see a different side of her and Layla just angry and pissed and wanting to beat her ass. This was a good exchange of words here and I look forward to the match itself. Um, I don't know anybody that people are. Vinny, explain. I've never seen these people, and that's on it. Um, well, uh, uh, Chris Statlander is has like this alien type gimmick. She usually hangs out with the best friends. Um, Layla Hirsch is very much a badass. She's like a female, like you know, amateur wrestler. So, like I said, I don't know too much about them either. They're hard books to read. I just know that they 
are are pretty cool people, and they've had fairly decent matches on AEW. Oh, I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it because you make more sense than anybody else. You want to know why? Why? Because you're because you're in the business. Anyways, moving yeah. on. Yeah. So on that note, move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. Uh, Cesar Bonini versus Wardlow. Uh, no. Once again, Wardlow comes in there. One power bomb, two power bomb, three power bomb, four power bomb, five power bomb. It's usually getting bad as the super kick, but just is not as many. Yeah. So he hits it, covers the guy, one, two, three. Wardlow wins the match. So it was not that special. Then, of course, uh, Sean Spears comes in to hit Bonini with the chair, but Wardlow grabs hold of it. Instead, Wardlow grabs the chair. The two have a stare down before Spears turns his gaze and relents. But he can clearly okay. tell that he wants the chair. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is the part where uh, Wardlow is about to say, fuck it. Oh, he's getting close. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, so, then we see um, an ominous video package featuring the House of Black, including the new member, Buddy, Buddy, whatever the fuck. Buddy Andrews. Yeah, I don't care. This was a stupid segment. Oh, back off. Want to know who loved it? Take a guess. Me. Wow. It just reminds, it just, uh, I thought, it, I, I, okay, you may not like it. Fuck off. I thought this was brilliant, ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls do do that. Just remind me of that creepy, like, 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 you're about to get tortured kind of fucked up feeling to him. Mm. I don't give a fiddle fuck what Vinny Bucci shares and says about Buddy. I think this is going to work out perfectly. And if I'm wrong, like I have been before several fucking times in my life, if I did, guess what? You're more than willing to call me out and I won't say a word. All right. And on that note, we cut to Wardlow and Spears backstage. They're getting a little heated. MJF steps in and says to Wardlow, if he wins the Face of the Revolution Matter match, he's going to let Wardlow keep the title shot. He beat him anyway. That prompts Wardlow to tell him that he's too busy making sure Max wins his matches. That gets a slap from MJF. He reminds Wardlow that Wardlow works for him, not AEW. And Mighty, and it gets Mighty tens after that. Um, I'm not happy with this. I proved Wardlow was not as tough. I mean, seriously, if I was Wardlow and I got somebody by MJF, I would have fucking beat the crap out of him. No offense. I did not like to send. I was like, no, nah, you just proved, you just ruined Wardlow's credibility, maybe. I'm well, not sure. Well, here's the thing. As he mentioned before, he doesn't have a contract with AEW. He has a contract with MJF to be his bodyguard. He has to look a certain way when he's guarding people. Is that the storyline? Yeah. Okay. Right now, Wardlow is dealing with the fact that MJF is treating him like a slave because he works for him, even though Wardlow wants to break free, wants to get his wallet, and wants to tell him to go fuck off. Yeah, right. He should. Yeah. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening. We got Adam Cole Pussy and Red Dragon versus Hangman Adam Page and the Dark Order. This was a stellar match. I thought it was good. I mean, it, it, it started good and it ended good. And this was a physical match. And there's a little bit of psychology in it, too. I mean, it was back and forth. I mean, move after move. But damn, I thought it was good. What do you think, Vinny? I thought it was amazing. Um, I like that Adam Cole and Red Dragon won the match. Um, I did feel like I had a feeling they were going to win because, again, they had to look strong going into the main event. Yeah, I thought the match was very well done. Um, great six-man tag action. I liked uh, the fact that Adam Page and Adam Cole were reversing moves on each other, not being able to really hit anything. Um, you know, 
And the fact that when Adam Cole and Red Dragon won, Cole ultimately hit the last shot, last call on uh, Reynolds for the win. He didn't get the win on Adam Page, which was good. Um, so it was a great moment for everybody. They were dodged. they were trying to keep Adam Cole and Adam Page away from each other as much as possible. They did eventually get physical, but it was hard for them to really get the upper hand, one to get the upper hand on the other. So everything was fucking great. Next, uh, so after that, uh, Hangman fights off all three guys. Uh, he's about to go for a buckshot lariat before Fish trips him up. They pull out duct tape and they tape him to the ropes. Uh, they roll John Silver in for a high-low via Red Dragon. Uh, Alex Reynolds gets hit with the Panama Sunrise as Hangman is forced to watch. Hangman gets a headbutt on Cole, but Cole super kicks him and plays the AEW title on Hangman's shoulder and basically tries to tell him the title now belongs to him. One second. Yeah, I thought this was good. Um, it just uh, proved Adam Cole, Michael Four made a statement like MGF. I mean, I knew this was going to happen. One of them was to, was going to like knock him out and do something like this. Yeah, absolutely. So either way, this was a great way to close it out. And obviously with the, uh, the go home for revolution, uh, they did a good job at hyping up some of these matches and getting people excited for them. Uh, Punk and MJF will continue to be the highlight of AEW while the rest of these are just kind of there. So the six man tag was exciting for what it was worth, but storytelling was great. Even if the matches and moves kind of, yeah. And, uh, and ladies and gentlemen, we'll conclude this recap of AEW. Now wrap up the AEW recaps for the week. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Two of them. And we actually ended in a per- – it didn't take us that long. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did not. No, it did not. But can I say a couple of things? Sure. Uh, hands down, this is actually really, really good. I enjoyed it. It was better than last week, but there was only one – match i had a problem with and i said what i had to say but i did a pretty good job on that didn't i <laughs> yeah all <laughs> we're right get, hey we're gonna get letters yeah <laughs> Ooh, real quick i'm gonna let you uh, close out after this data ricky ross it's a courtesy of you you like getting pissed off somebody stealing gimmicks i'll take one right now and i quote and that's the bottom line that the ginger said so courtesy of the broke silver ginger if any if you want to take the heat, give Gator my number. I'll take care of it myself. Sounds great, Zach. You and the fans have fun with that. Anyway, this, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this portion of the Boochcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you follow us. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all five hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. And of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I have a link to the Trish to Stop Foundation, which is done by a good friend of mine, a former Home Depot co-worker. Uh, her name is Kirby. Uh, she is raising money for her organization. But the best part is you don't have to donate any money to this organization unless you want to. Basically, all you have to do is go to the link that we have posted on the Facebook page, app.voodle.com, and go to the video, and then click the heart button to like the video. And then all you got to do is put in your name, and a credible, legit email address, and you are casting your vote for her to win a $10,000 grant for her organization. So basically, this is something where all you have to do is like the video and sign up. And that's all you have to do. 
There is no money you have to pay. There is no financial obligation you have to make. If you want to donate money to this organization, that is an option that you can have separately from this. But all you have to do, all I'm asking you to do is like the video and sign up and then you can register her for a chance to win a $10,000 grant to help people with trichotillomania and people who have this hair pulling disorder. So go to the video, cast your vote, and help this incredible woman and her incredible organization. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Also, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got some YouTube content coming very, very soon. Right now up there, we got our Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring. We got archived watch parties, our D&D one-shot, funny skits, holiday videos. Check them all out. They're awesome. Make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you know when the new content is going to hit. Uh, we got some episodes of Dark Side of the Ring coming soon. We're hoping to film a couple of videos this weekend and be closer to getting all of this done. Uh, I know I got some archive watch parties that are going to be coming up there. And I'm also trying to figure some other things out as well for the YouTube channel. So make sure you guys subscribe to us on YouTube to check out all that content and the new ones coming soon. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next one will be Saturday, April 2nd, 2022 for night one of WrestleMania 38. And of course, on April 3rd, 2022 will be night two of WrestleMania 38. Now, I'm hoping to do something big uh, for the first night of WrestleMania. Uh, the second night is most likely going to have me and the Boochcast team. So on night one, either I'll be doing my big event or the team will be watching it together and they'll be live streaming. So either way, we're going to get something big and something cool and make something happen. So this is going to be a fun thing, experience for all of us. So make sure you're following so you can join us for WrestleMania 38. There will, of course, be a both day, both nights. There'll be a, a bootleg link that you can check the pay-per-view out just in case you're not fans of the Peacock. Also, we got our D&D show coming later this year. We're still trying to work the kinks out on that, but rest assured, it has not been forgotten, and we are definitely going to be getting the ball rolling on that very soon. Also, we got our big gaming event that is going to be happening. Uh, Elvis is going to be in charge of the gaming. Uh, he's getting his Oculus set up to where he can, you know, do some fun gaming. And of course, uh, with WWE 2K22 being released next week, uh, Elvis and I are eventually going to be starting our My GM mode, which basically where Elvis and I are going to be doing battle uh, with our respective brands, and we are basically going to uh, see who the better booker is. He's going to book AEW style, I'm going to book NXT style, and we are going to see who can draw the bigger ratings. And of course, you guys can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels you can donate at with prizes coming soon. The first level you can donate at is for 99 cents per month. Now, this level is for people who want to support the show but don't necessarily have the funds to make it happen. Because I know there's a lot of hardworking men and women out there. We do this show for hardworking men and women. And we know sometimes, you know, money's tight. You got bills to pay. You got mouths to feed and all that. And we would never, ever ask our fans to sacrifice a payment or break the bank to support 
this show. If all you can do is just tune in and share the link and spread the word, that's all you have to do. There's no obligation to donate money to the show. But if you want to donate but don't have a lot of money to spend, the 99 cents level is for you because it's just 99 cents. It's not, you're barely going to even notice it's gone. But every little bit helps us continue to grow the show. So even if you can only give us 99 cents per month, that means the world to us. Now, if you got some extra spending cash, you can go to the second level, which is where you can donate for a mere $4.99 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And then, of course, we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. That's right. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since it got sold to the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. So take that $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike the WWE, we actually take great pride in giving the people what they want. We take care of our fans especially the ones who take care of us here on the Boochcast. And the best part is you can cancel at any time. So once you start the monthly donation, you will be billed every month. Now, at any given time, if you either can't afford it or decide you don't want to anymore, you can cancel. The only catch is you do not get a refund when you cancel. So you don't get any money back. You just stop putting money in. That's how that works. And of course, you can also check out Anchor's privacy policy if you want more information on how they process your personal data. The one thing I will say here on the Boochcast is we have no access to your personal data. And with all due respect, we don't want it. We're not interested in ripping anyone off or stealing anyone's identity. All we're asking for is whatever monthly donation you want to make. That's the only financial obligation you have to this show. And of course, it's an optional obligation, which I know sounds like an oxymoron, but I'm just trying to make a point here that we're not going to do any identity theft bullshit because we're not going to steal money from our fans. We would never fucking do that. That's a despicable thing for a person to do, and we would never go that route because we love our fans, we care about our fans, and anybody that's willing to donate money to this show, we are grateful to you, and we would never violate or break that trust. So if you want to learn more about that, you can check out their privacy policy right there. We don't see your privacy policy. We don't get access to any of it. Uh, at best, we might get like your first and last name, but we would use that to give you a shout out if we wanted to. So you got nothing to worry about on that end. And the best part is you, the money that we raise here on the Boochcast goes back into the show in some capacity. It allows us to upgrade our equipment. It allows us to bring in bigger name guests, pay our bills, and take care of all the guys who work really hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast successful. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they deserve to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over after all that, we use the rest of it to feed Zach ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.